Chapter Twelve of Soul Food. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Dion. Soul Food by George Douglas Watson. Chapter Twelve: Sorrow for Sin. All true sorrow for sin must be imparted to us from God. For he alone knows just how we should feel toward evil. There is something so wretched, so inconceivably awful in sin, that it destroys our very capacity for any correct feeling toward it, and the Holy Spirit must impart to us from the pure sensibilities of God that holy grief, that fierce principle of sorrow for sin, which is the spring and safeguard of true godliness. There are a great many degrees of sorrow for actual sin committed. Which are mingled with feelings of remorse, dread, guilt, and fear of wrath. This degree of sorrow may have a great outburst of manifestation, but it is not the deepest form of grief for sin. When there is a sorrow for the deep, hidden sinfulness of the heart, the very existence of God's love in our hearts makes us to grieve and mourn over the corruptions of our fallen nature. It is by the light of pardoning grace shining in us that we see the vileness and stubbornness of secret depravity, and our grief for our hidden sinfulness is keener and deeper than ever for our horrible actions, because this degree of sorrow is touched more strongly with God's sensibilities to sin, and because we more sensitively feel the utter meanness and stubbornness of the essence of sin. It is out of this sorrow for heart sin that there springs an intense thirst for universal purity. Then, after we are pardoned and purified, even though the sting of guilt and the inward motives of sin are removed, there is planted in us by the Holy Spirit a finer and continuous sorrow for the dreadful fact and effects of sin. After we have been washed in the precious blood, there will be times in holy devotion when the spotless character and goodness and majesty and tenderness of our Lord will so open up to our view that the hot tears will burst from our eyes. And a deep, tender, melting sorrow for the sad fact of our sin will go all over us. This is not a human, but a divine kind of sorrow. In human sorrow over sin, there is chafing, fretting, recrimination, self-denunciation, which is in itself sinful. There is denouncing sin in such a severe, sinful spirit as to add to the very sin that is being denounced. And so there is a poor human sort of grief over sin, by which we lash and fret and call ourselves hard names, which is only a heathenish form of grief. When God takes us up into sweet holy union with Himself, we will see that it is as great sin to fret and rage at ourselves as at our fellows. This deep, fixed sorrow for sin I now speak of is God's sorrow for it. The sorrow that Jesus had for the sinfulness of sin from the hour he clothed himself in our flesh and bones, this kind of sorrow is deep, quiet, melting. It can blend itself with holy joy and praise, just as you can see a purple tinge in the finest electric light. This highest and Christ-like form of sorrow for sin may not always push itself up into our distinct consciousness, but if the spirit possesses us, it is always in us as the unrecognized tones in music. Or the shaded background to every picture of divine grace. The more thorough our sorrow over sin, the more persistent will be our progress in holiness. End of chapter twelve. Recording by Jennifer Dion.